We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. You know, this Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students. America first. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic. Hey guys, I wanted to finish up the Second Amendment today. Um, I'm not sure what I want to tackle next. We might tackle uh, religious liberty, separation of church and state. Um, I've got a lot of good things in the background um, that I've been studying. But I did want to finish the Second Amendment from a class I took by Chris Ann Hall. She's considered like America's constitutional lawyer. She's a believer. She teaches on the Constitution a lot, and um, her class on it at Liberty First University was just phenomenal. So the right to keep and bear arms um, is not derived from the Second Amendment. Our rights do not come from words, and they do not come from a document. They come from God. Uh, they come from our Creator. The purpose of the Second Amendment was to remind the American people to never allow the government to disarm them, that it's an, an inherent right. It's um, an, an alienable or an inalienable right. It is a natural right that does not come from man. And it's always the primary focus of enshrining that God-given right. And the Second Amendment was to, oh, hang on. Oh, I think it's a dog. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I've had a little bit of history with these cats. Anyway, it has always been um, to protect ourselves from those in power who want to enslave us. So that's very important to understand. The Second Amendment's primary goal was, number one, to remind us that we have a God-given right to bear arms. Number two, to protect us against those who want to enslave us. And then number three, it was for personal protection of property. And it's very important to understand that it was always um, intended to remind us against the tyranny of government that wants to take away our rights. Um, let's see, William Blackstone, and we read a lot of his work in the previous discussions that we've had on the Second Amendment, he said that the um, natural right to keep and bear arms is to vindicate these rights when actually violated or attacked. The subjects of England are entitled first to the regular administration of free course of justice in the courts of law, next to the right of petitioning the king and parliament for redress of grievances, and lastly to the right of having and using arms for self-preservation and defense. So this is the early language as British citizens 
that we had those rights as British subjects. And in fact, one of the things that um, the king tried to do with the citizens of the colonies was to take away their right to bear arms. And they threw a huge fit and, uh, and he pulled back on that. So it's been a right all the way back to England. Now, the fact that in England you can't have a weapon is very interesting because it was uh, a right that was protected and observed in England um, for a long time. So maybe that changed after the Revolutionary War and they decided they didn't want that to happen again. But Blackstone mentions the subjects of the King of England are entitled to several rights. And the first right, of course, is due process. And that goes on down to um, the right to keep arms. Um, but by tradition, that right was not about robbers and rapists. It was about our own individual rights when those in power try to act against those rights or violate them. Um, the big, uh, like, final straw, and we've talked about this a little bit, was the writs of assistance. And remember, the writs, writs of assistance were um, blank search warrants, really. I mean, they were just blank documents that empowered tax collectors and customs agents to go into a home and search for evidence to prove that the homeowner was guilty versus having to present to a judge why you believe this person is guilty and then confining your search to specific things. The writs of assistance was a free for all. So they would go in, they would search for anything and everything that they wanted, even for their own purposes. If they wanted to take money, they'd take money. If they wanted to take your possessions, they'd take your possessions. But it was the ability to search for a crime versus we believe there was a crime committed. Therefore, we need to search for these specific things. So search warrants are very much different from what writs of assistance were. And James Otis Jr. Um, fought against that, so that is not due pro process, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so then you have, um, you know, our Bill of Rights. It says, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. Notice that. Uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So the, again, our rights are not on a piece of paper. A piece of parchment will not... Um, protect uh, our rights if we have a government that doesn't care about those rights. But what they wanted to do was put the Bill of Rights in there because a lot of people were nervous about creating a federal government and having a constitution, which is a compact between the states that did that. And so they refused to ratify the constitution until the Bill of Rights showed what was enshrined as people uh, given rights by God. Now, one of the most popular arguments used by those in power is that the Second Amendment does not guarantee an individual right to keep and bear arms, but it only establishes the right to have a militia. That's crap. That the, in fact, in the Founding Fathers' mind, a militia was even one individual protecting that person's property and loved ones from a tyrannical government or from robbers and rapists. I mean, you know, a militia was not what we would consider today. It's not um, a, a paid for army, a standing army, a standing Marine Corps, et cetera, et cetera. A militia, according to the Founding Fathers, is I am a militia if I need to be, and I have a right to bear arms. And um, George Mason 
he's one of the fathers that we've discussed before that was considered the father of the Bill of Rights. He was also a Virginia planter. He was a delegate to the Constitutional Convention. He, along with two other delegates, uh, Edmund Randolph of Virginia and Eldridge Jerry of Massachusetts, they refused to sign the Constitution because, again, they were nervous about this whole federal government thing. Uh, Mason also helped to author the Fairfax Resolves in 1774 and then the Virginia Declaration of Rights of 1776, which became the template for our Bill of Rights. He said in addressing the issue of gun control and the construct of the militia in 1788, he said 40 years ago when the resolution of enslaving America was formed in Great Britain, the British Parliament was advised by an artful man who was governor of Pennsylvania to disarm the people, that it was the best and most effectual way to enslave them, but that they should not do it openly, but weaken them and let them sink gradually. So this was not where they went door to door to collect the guns, but they made it difficult to purchase guns. And that's what they're going to try to do again, by the way. That's what they've been doing, actually. Like red flag laws actually should be red flags to us because they're slowly eroding our rights and they're using the argument for the good of the people. Um, but to weaken them, to remove the convenience and thus the desire to even purchase weapons, um, thank goodness, was recognized and a stink was thrown. I don't know if this nation will recognize that um, today, unfortunately. Uh, so there was like this gradual removal of the ability to bear arms. Uh, Noah Webster, he was the author um, of American Dictionary of the English Language that was published in 1828. He's also a textbook pioneer, and the Blueback Speller was one of his um, work products. In 1788, he said, before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed, as they are in almost every kingdom in Europe. Uh, and he also, you know, what is a free state, according to Noah Webster? And a free state is where a standing army cannot rule because the people are well armed. So for us to remain a free state, which remember for them, the state is a nation. Uh, they consider the states back then as sovereign little countries that entered into a compact um, and formed, you know, that the work product was the constitution, which formed the federal government. So the power is we, the people, the state, and then the federal government. It should not be the federal government, the state, and we, the people. But for him, a free state is defined by the idea that the people are armed. Therefore, if any standing army of that nation tries to go after the people and enslave them, the people will rise up and they will bear arms. Also, um, he said, the supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword because the whole body of people are armed and constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that can be on any pretense raised in the United States. A military force, the command of Congress, can execute no laws but such as the people perceive to be just and constitutional, for they will possess the power and jealousy will instantly inspire the inclination to resist the execution of a law which appears to be unjust and oppressive. Then um, this one is thought to be written by Richard Henry Lee, but it was called A Letter from a Federal Farmer, number 18. It says, whereas to preserve liberty, it is in all caps essential that the whole body of the people always possess arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. 
if you teach your children how to handle weapons from an early age, you actually don't need lock boxes because they will respect and they will understand the power of the weapon. Um, obviously, they need to be at a certain age and safety is important. But what I'm saying is we've created a, a society where the answer to children shooting children in the home is to keep guns out of the home. That's an infringement on the Constitution. The real uh, wisdom is teaching children how to properly handle weapons. So a well-regulated militia, according to the men who drafted the Second Amendment, consists of every person, the whole body of people, men and women, even children that know how to use a weapon, but men and women who are well-trained in the skill of keeping and bearing arms and who also understand this skill is necessary to preserve liberty. So if you do carry arms, please practice them. If you don't, I would suggest that you do and that you practice um, with your firearm. Uh, Patrick Henry, the founder of the very famous speech, Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death, he was an attorney. He was a delegate to the Constitutional Convention for the state of Virginia. He served as governor of Virginia from 1776 to 1789, and then he served again from 1784 to 1786. He gained great respect of the people um, when he took a regiment of men from Hanover, Washington, to Williamsburg in 1775, demanding that gunpowder that had been seized by Lord Dunmore the then British governor of Virginia be returned to the people or replaced. So because of his stand for liberty and property of the people, two weeks after Henry's demand upon Dunmore, the gunpowder was restored. Uh, during the debate in the Virginia Ratifying Convention of 1788, the discussion about controlling the government came to the floor because, again, every government becomes centralized and too powerful, and they begin to erode the rights of the people. This is where America is at right now. And so one delegate proposed that if the government of America should ever get out of control, the people could assemble in a convention, recall the delegated powers, and punish those representatives by abusing the trust placed in them. Patrick Henry didn't think that a convention of the people was an adequate safeguard of liberty. Uh, so the record of that convention, which anyone can get, states that Pat Patrick Henry sneered at the other delegate and said, Oh, sir, we should have fine times indeed if to punish tyrants it were only sufficient to assemble the people. Your arms, wherewith you could defend yourselves, are gone. Did you ever read of any revol revolution in a nation brought about by the punishment of those in power inflicted by those who had no power at all? And then he reminded the delegates of the events at their current time and said, you read of a riot act in a country which is called one of the freest in the world where a few neighbors cannot assemble without the risk of being shot by a hired soldiery, the engines of despotism, we may see such an act in America. So the only thing that tyrants understand as a deterrent are armed citizens. That's it. That's all they understand. You cannot reason with a tyrant. You cannot reason with a despot. You cannot reason with a dictator. Um, that's just a fact. So we don't have the, the right to bear arms. We have a duty to bear arms. Um, and not only that, we don't have to have permission. And see, this is why this whole concealed carrying, you need a permit, and you have to do this, you have to do that, really irks me. Because my right to keep and bear arms, whether I do it concealed or not, um, does not come from man. I can carry my weapon wherever and however, 
but we've allowed states and the federal government to erode our rights and it's a dangerous thing. Um, now I've got a couple more things. I've got like little notes. Uh, let me see if there's anything we need to add. Um, so gun control is not constitutional. Don't fall for the arguments to save lives. Uh, we have to understand our history, which is why I went through a little bit of it so that we know why the people were so adamant that the right to bear arms uh, was in our Bill of Rights. Um, let's see here. And by the way, the whole writs of assistance was where the taxation without representation came from. Uh, let's see if there's anything else I've gotten here. Um, taking our guns is taking our property, a natural right of self-preservation and defense, one that does not come from the government. The cry wasn't about the safety of the home. The cry was against a tyrannical government abusing its trust and power. So that's what our um, founding fathers were most concerned with. Um, the deception is that there's no way to know what the writers meant. When the people failed to educate themselves, the powerful will always educate the people into ignorance of right. And then there's no limit to their tyranny. So that's why I do these videos. And I ask that you share them um, because Urgent education is crucial. We had a few uh, patriots that uh, they executed urgent education. James Otis was one of those. And it actually paved the way for the formation of this country. And I believe the urgent education of what our founding fathers meant, not believing the lie that it's hard to understand when they literally wrote it down, is so crucial because they want us to be ignorant. They want us to think that we're divided against each other. That way they, they can get, uh, gain power. And I'm talking about the elitists. I'm talking about those in Washington. Um, let's see if there's anything else. And by the way, speaking of Washington, everybody is like having, you know, just, I mean, screaming about this whole, um, you know, Kevin McCarthy thing. Let me give you my opinion of Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is a snake in the grass. He's a liar. He betrayed President Trump. You cannot trust a word, and he's a politician. And so the 20 that are saying against him, they want to go back to the way that Congress was originally supposed to operate. None of these omnibus bills full of pork that we're going to pay for, and our children and their children are going to pay for stuff to promote LGBTQ, stuff to promote uh, critical race theory, all this woke ideology. Do you want your tax dollars to go to that? I don't. And so these 20 are courageously standing and saying, McCarthy, you're not the guy. You are one of them. You are bought and paid for. And you can't even trust Fox right now because they're like just raking these people over the coals. Unity and blah, blah. And it's embarrassing. Let it be embarrassing. We don't need McCarthy as the speaker. And I'm hopeful that they will maintain their stand and not back down, whether it takes weeks um, to get a speaker, I'm fine with that. So don't get alarmed. This is actually the process working. These people are brave and I hope they keep it up. Um, the founding father's idea of a well, a well-regulated militia was to be well-skilled, just so you know, that was the meaning of the phrase with the founding fathers. Uh, and we need to teach our children to be well-skilled as well. And let's see. Um, Okay, so I've already discussed that. Let's see. And that's it. Okay, so that's the final aspect of um, 
the right to keep and bear arms, the Second Amendment. And so next week, I'm not sure, I'll pick a topic. If you have one that you want to tackle, just put it down here in the comments. I'm going to get to my prayer time, and I've got a city meeting to go to. Um, hopefully, our leaders will have boldness uh, and courage to do the right thing. We'll see. And uh, uh, be praying for our city, actually, to do the right thing. This has been a long battle, and they need to take care of some business. All right, guys, I will see you next week. Small is a new big. God is shifting from the current church structure back to his original intent and design, the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the original word that was used when Jesus was describing that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it in Matthew 16, 18. In fact, most of the time when you see church, it's actually ecclesia. The ecclesia is his ruling government on earth made up of two or more. It's a noble, organic community, not a system. If you felt like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole, or you know there's more, this training might be for you. If you know that God is moving in the marketplace and you want to be equipped to partner with Him, this training is for you. If you understand the call is to disciple nations, you must be equipped with this training. Go to churchshift.me. That is churchshift.me.